0: Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Ask an Expert series. I am your host, Chris Walton. And I am Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail blog that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or, as we like to say, the series that focuses on tomorrow's companies today. I can never get enough of saying that, Ann. I know. I line. can tell. I can I, tell. I know. But our discussion today, Ann, plans to be about buy now, pay later. The yes. trend that is front and center even more so than ever before but today we're going to talk about the trend in terms of what it means for in-store shopping and how retailers can easily bring the buy now pay later functionality into stores for their customers and believe it or not it's a hell of a lot easier than you think so joining us for the first time ever on omni talk who is a loyal friend of the show and someone we've talked to quite often over the past few years is probably one of the first and foremost experts on the topic of using Buy Now, Pay Later in stores, and that is Cezzle's VP of Growth, Chris Bixby. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Great to great to be here. Excited to uh, talk a little bit more with you two and, and having gotten to know you the last couple of years and followed OmniTalk. Uh, it's an honor to be on the show Uh And, uh, and I guess referred to as an expert, which I I, I guess you need to check your expertise uh, definition, but, uh, yeah, super excited to be here and talk with you both.
0: That's always fun. You can go home and tell your wife that you are an expert at something when you get done with this program. See how that goes over. Yeah. Right. Honey, honey. I'm Mm -hmm. an expert. Yeah. Uh, All right. Now, just a quick reminder before we get started for those watching the early release of this interview live on LinkedIn. Please feel free to ask your questions of Chris at any time via the chat session window on the lower right-hand side of your screen. And please, please, please don't be shy and don't be afraid to get technical either, because that is why we're all here together to learn from each other. So, Anne,
2: yes, well, Chris, before we get started here, you guys have had, you guys have been in the headlines, uh, this last week, pretty, pretty big, uh, new updates. You want to share those with our listeners?
1: Sure, sure, and uh, everything is publicly available. But I'm super excited to comment uh, that we are super excited about uh, a release that came out about a merger with Zip, uh, which is another buy now pay later uh, company within our ecosystem. Uh, nice. We think we both have you know phenomenal cultures, phenomenal products, uh, and, and we're really excited about that you know strategic fit between us and, and what we can do in the U.S. market and globally. So uh, the whole the whole team is super excited about things. Um, we've known the company for a while. Um, Larry and, and, and the team over there are really strong and, um, it's a, it's a great outcome for, for Sezzle.
2: Yeah. We're really excited to have you here, Chris, to talk today. Um, you you're one of the biggest, you know, buy now pay laters in the space, but I wanted to have you talk about buy now pay later specifically. We're here to have you talk about that in stores and why that is so important. So let's start it off with kind of that topic. Why, why does the team at Sezzle um, feel like this is, is really important for retailers to be considering right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it and kind of diving into this. Um, you know, BNPL is a product, um, you know, it's been around for about four or five years now, um, right. in the us globally, a little bit longer with, you know, the zips and afterpays and clearness of the world. Um, but where we've seen really you know terrific results in the, in the U S over the last couple of years has primarily been through the e-commerce channel. Um, and you know, most of our integrations and most of the rollouts within BMPL has been primarily e-commerce focused because of the ease of integration, you know, a digitally first younger generation of consumers. Uh, and then ultimately it solves a pain point for retailers, which is converting customers at checkout uh plus increasing AOVs and order frequency. And so it's been a phenomenal fit within e-commerce. Um, but we really as, as this as uh you know, as a payment type and and, and basically as a you know, payment product is evolved. Um, All the things that have really stayed true to why, you know, BNPL exists and and, and the pain point it solves uh, can really be rolled out omni-channel. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, as, uh, you know, 30 million uh, American users uh, we've seen in the U.S. according to payments, you know, started using this product, they've also started demanding it uh, in-store to solve that pain point and, and get access to, you know, a little bit of credit and so the in-store approach makes a lot of sense as this next evolution, this next step, um, you know, still about 90% of shopping is done in-store. You know, obviously that changed a little bit post-COVID. It might've flattened out at maybe 85%, but still a predominant okay. shopping is in-store. And so we look at this as another payment type, you know, that consumers care about, they need, they want. Uh, and so we should be really offering it through, um, you know, a retail solution that covers our, our large kind of omni-channel retailers. Right.
0: Right. makes sense. I mean, and like, right, the it's exploding online, the ability to pay in easy installments, interest-free right. exploding online, large volume of retail still done in stores. How do we get this in store? So I think conceptually it makes total sense, which is why we've probably had the, the, the audience, you know, interest in this, right. this discussion that we've had leading up to it on LinkedIn. But Chris, let's get down to brass tacks. Cause that's what we do best at on we talk, we call it like it is try to, you know, sort through all the BS that's out there, but how do you actually do this? Like, how do you make this come to life for the retailer, especially for the consumer? Like how easy is it for the consumer to use this in-store?
1: Yeah, we, we think it's just as easy as online. And I think that's been the nice evolution of the product. And so the way it actually works, like you said, getting right down to it, is uh, it works through uh, a, a, a wallet, basically a, an app, a Sezzle app, that issues a virtual card that can be, be then used in-store just like any other a uh, card that's been pushed to either an Apple or Google Wallet. So we hmm. transact via NFC readers, so um, near field communications. That allows us to push that virtual card into, you know, uh, uh, or excuse me, issue the sh- the virtual card in the Cezil app, uh, and then at that point, actually push that into the wallet. And at that point, it's as easy as tapping at checkout. And so, you know, with with, um, a Target, for example, or a GameStop or a Pure Hockey, um, you know, assuming they have NFC readers, which they do, um, anytime that I go into those stores, I can use Cezzle by simply tapping. Um, And so the sign up process is the same, Um, it's about four steps uh, online or in store. And the only nuance there is instead of selecting Cezzle as a payment button at checkout online, you basically push that virtual card. Uh, into your into your uh, virtual wallet and, and and check out.
0: Okay, and so that, he made that sound really simple. It sounds like all the retailer needs is to have NFC enabled to to read the card. Right. Um, and Chris, we're going to make you sweat here, actually, because we're going to show you, the audience, how easy it is to do this, given what you just said. So we're going to put this to the test because what you just described sounds so simple, but Anne is going to sign up for the Sezzle virtual card right now with all of us watching
1: online. Yeah. And so I'll just kind of walk through from, yeah. So the account signup process takes about a minute. Um, be ready, be ready to grab a a card, uh, in terms of a payment type. Um, most customers are are repaying us for that first type in terms of using a debit card. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a four-step process in terms of download, uh, you know, create an account and then add, uh, a tender repayment type. And at that point, you'll be able to get and actually get issued a, a virtual card within your app. So I don't know, and if you're a, you're a current Sezzle user or not, um, for current Sezzle users, it's, you know, basically instantaneous this is always a, a tough word, but very, very quick in terms of getting that virtual card, a new signup process is about a minute, uh, a little bit over a minute. So
2: now I have a Sezzle card that has a balance on it, that it looks, I mean, I can add this to my Apple wallet right now. I can just yeah. go there and... So essentially just take this up to my NFC reader at any store and pay, tap to pay an amount.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, I'm, I'm glad it was as uh, hopefully quick as we all thought it would be. That's really, really exciting to kind of see kind of right away. Um, yeah, at that point you have that card, that card number is unique to your account. Very I'm, cool. I'm
2: good to go. I can go stock up on whatever kinds of things my little heart desires in pretty much any store. It shows me all the stores too that I can apply this card like right there um, in the app too. So that's really cool.
1: Um, one, one of the things we think is important about that is again, we are thinking about kind of that line at checkout mm-hmm. and trying to get consumers through that. And so one of right. the things that, that we're doing with this card is that because it's what we call the, uh, a persistent use or multi-use card, it actually can be used multiple times. It doesn't have to be reissued every time, uh, a customer or, you know, guest goes to checkout. And so the nuance there is, uh, in some cases we see single use cards and they have to be reissued, reissued, reissued. This is actually all tied back to the overall, uh, credit limit of the consumer, uh, which we think is a, is a really good benefit and truly promotes kind of omni-channel, uh, shopping.
2: And so Chris explain for me too, because, you know, say that I am, I do have this loaded into my Apple wallet. It's my default method of payment. Say my limit's $300. How does the payment structure, breakout work from the customer's perspective then? I mean, am I just paying, I, I spend, let's say $200 that day. It starts installments based on that total amount that I spent that day, or is it broken up into each uh, retailer that I'm shopping with? The, the payments are broken up that way.
1: Yeah. We, we track it down to the actual individual and unique transaction. Okay. And mm-hmm. so it's at the specific transaction. So if you go shop at, you know, a Bass Pro Shop, and then you go shop again at Target later that day, or you go back to Bass Pro Shop. Each individual transaction will be tracked across a payment plan. Got it. And so uh, it's twenty five percent at the t- time of checkout or the time of you know purchase, and then twenty five two weeks later, twenty five percent two weeks wait four weeks, and then six weeks. Got it. Um, and so again, it all ties back to that individual. I want this or I need this. Um, and so that plan is based on that individual, you know, piece that's purchased, or or, or the checkout basket. Um, what we do though is we start a limit. So and you said three hundred dollars. That's yeah. a limit for us. And so, assuming good repayment behavior, that limit will automatically grow in the background. Um, and so, if you make that first initial purchase, mm. two hundred dollars, you pay it off, and then next month you need to go buy something else. When you log back into your account, you'll probably see a new limit that's actually higher than that 300. So we automatically okay. use in the back end that allows us to essentially use, you know, AI and different underwriting to look at that consumer when they shop. And so where we look at in-store transactions and why this is a great fit is frequency increases um, and, and repeat uh, rates increase quite a bit. And that actually means that consumer is going to have better availability in terms of kind of how they can check out what does the retailer have to do to integrate this or set up
0: this capability?
1: For the in-store component, it's actually really easy. Uh, it's always easy, easier said than done, um, <laughs> but it's really, it's really easy in terms of essentially one, one thing is needed and it's the merchant IDs um, that are at the individual and unique stores. And so what we do is um, we turn on the mids uh, that you know, can be accepted or can accept this virtual card and so we, what we get from our, our retailers when we, you know, sign an agreement and, and get to commercial terms is um, we, we get that list of mids and, and, and that's really it. And so the retailer doesn't have to do anything. It's always nice to do training. Uh, you know, we offer training, we offer in-store, you know, materials, we offer train the trainer uh, and all that support in terms of the education of, you know, store associates and, and also how it works. Um, but it's actually not even needed. There's several times where a customer will come in who's a SESLA customer you know, use their card and the associate actually doesn't even know how they're using that card because it's such a seamless kind of checkout with the, um, you know, with the NFC reader. And so we just need the mids. We need an agreement. We, we, we basically turn it on. And so when they turn this on with you too,
0: then you essentially they're getting access to, you know, what, well, it's probably more now. I mean, I remember, you know, in preparing for this interview, it's probably more, it's like, you guys have like 9 million customers in your file. Right. So like, the retailers, in essence, in essence, if they're turning this on for their store location, are getting access or a different way to communicate to those nine million customers of yours, right?
1: Yeah, it gives them a chance to kind of be shown in that app as you were going through and kind of looking at your stores earlier within that app experience. It gives us a point of communication. It gives us a chance at a, and basically a marketing channel to kind of advertise the retailers, uh, you know, within the app, within the customer, within our emails, within you know social, etc to actually make, build awareness of our, of our user base. And, you know, our user base is a little bit different than Gen pop in terms of it's younger, it's a little less credit worthy. Um, but we also think we have a great user base that, you know, does shop and needs to shop, uh, in, budget their payments. And so it kind of gives access in a way and promotion in a way that we think is pretty cool, uh, you know, for the retailers.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like, and it's kind of like how, you know, God, it's so, so fascinating how like digital marketing is evolving here too, because, mm-hmm. You know, you got the retailer, the physical, physical retailer tapping into the online base of a, almost an affiliate, so to speak. Right. And using that affiliate to bring that, bring them in to the store or to transact through the app itself, potentially, like you're seeing all the buy by now player pay later people do it's giving a whole another element to affiliate marketing in a lot of ways too. Chris, do you guys think about it like that? Do you think of this as a new form of affiliate marketing, so to speak?
1: Yeah. We think of it as a a traffic driver, I think is, is a great way. And and when you say affiliate, that's a, that's a different way to even think about it too, where, you know, affiliate typically is, you know, someone promotes a brand and a retailer and and sends traffic. And, and we, you know, very similar with this virtual card piece and this virtual card in-store piece uh, it's essentially a traffic driver that, you know, we can send traffic to stores. Um, you know, through a digital experience, you know, it, 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 which, which can be really powerful for retailers to think of this as almost, a uh, you know, an affiliate traffic driving program. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Especially with the tab, like right in the app right there, where, where am I right now? What other stores, what other errands can I run all, you know, without having to pull out another form of payment or do anything differently. I think that's, it's really smooth how you guys have got that set up. Um. I'm curious, Chris, what you guys are seeing from retailers in terms of sales. You mentioned earlier that, you know, retailers see an increased uh, AOV when people are using buy now, pay later online, but what are they seeing in store?
1: Yeah, we're seeing primarily results or kind of the resulting metrics that we're seeing are are primarily around repeat usage. and so we just published an, um, an article within payments or you know kind of they, they published us around. they were seeing about 13% higher repeat rates, typically larger basket sizes. Um, But I think even going back to what Chris was commenting earlier, this is really for us more about a traffic driver and Mm -hmm. and for retailers more about a traffic driver um, that gets that consumer back into the store more often. So we have seen, you know, more likely to recommend to a friend, more likely to have more positive associations with a brand if they offer payment types that, you know, customers need and want and, and if they offer their preferred payment type. So there's kind of this overall positive halo. Um, but, but really what we're seeing kind of that driving is again, that repeat usage rate, which we think is really powerful and, and, and builds, you know, brand affinity, uh, builds a connection uh, and has the ability to build a basket as well. Um, you know, getting that traffic into the stores.
0: Yeah. I mean, 13, 13%, that's, I mean, we start talking about 90% of the sales base in retail, like 13% repeat rate starts to have a pretty material impact in terms of, people's financials, if they're starting to think about taking this in store, Mm -hmm. what, what I'm curious, what, what customer anecdotes or case studies can you share where you guys have brought this to life and seen a lot of success at this point?
1: Yeah, we've seen, we've seen it several different retailers in terms of the omni-channel piece. Um, And so I think, you know, with Target, we've seen really good um, you know, pick up and adoption, both online and in-store. Uh, Pure Hockey is a really, you know, great retailer, a little bit more niche retailer, but, you know, being Minnesota, Minnesota, <laughs> yeah, Minnesota uh, yeah. you know, Minnesota so will we'll, we'll appreciate the hockey piece where, you know, we started as an online business, but then we also launched this in-store for, you know, their, their businesses and their retailer retail shops. And, um, you know, that's, again, what we're seeing in terms of the frequency numbers. And so um, it's available and can be made available for most, you know, retailers and stores. And you know, honestly, a big part of kind of our conversation here is I think you guys are seeing this as basically just another step of digital adoption, Mm -hmm. uh, but happens to be retail. And so, again, I I go back to like, this is solving the same pain point as it has been solving online, which is providing access to, you know, a, a new customer base, um, that customer base is still, you know, 90% of their transactions are happening in store. And so by providing this, we see also a new customer, uh, that's traveling to, and then, you know, shopping, uh, you know, at these, at these locations.
0: So, you know, the, the, and the other point this brings up for me is, and we talked about this in the beginning with, with the recent announcement that you guys have is that there's a ton of consolidation happening in this industry. And so a lot of what we're going to see here, I would hypothesize is now it's going to be about how do retailers in store, you know, get adoption for buy now, pay later, you know, in what they're offering to their customers in a physical store experience, mm-hmm. almost in the same way of like back in the old days, like, do you take Visa? Do you take American express? Right. You take discover, like.
2: What is, Paul was saying in the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Paul,
0: ta- Is that is that is what we're talking about here, right? Like yeah. this is a new form of credit that is, Quite honestly, in my opinion, a much better vehicle to use. It's financed partially by the retailer versus solely by the consumer in general. Um, And, you know, is that what we're going for here? Is that where this is going to play out?
1: I think we're seeing, you know, and I can use an online example that I think still applies in store. But, you know, there's research out there that said, you know, 40% of the reason people are walking away from transactions are because their preferred method of payment is not available. Right. And so I think that's very applicable in store too. And, 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 you know, the, the, the unique part of in store, which is the reason we don't always think about this, is because we think, well, if someone's at the store, then they've already made their decision around payments or they've already made their decision around what they're going to buy. And I'm not sure that's entirely true. I also think the awareness of payment method um, has only increased. I think it's, you know, whether it's BNPL, whether it's, you know, coming out of the great financial recession. I think consumers and, and younger generation are much more, um, you know, intelligent and smart about kind of how they're paying. Yeah. And so again, we've, we haven't, we've been slower on the adoption curve within retail because we're like, well, if they're in the store, they're going to buy anyways. And I think we need to reframe that and say that, well, like, Hey, how do we get them into the store? And then two, for me, it's most important to say like, is your payment stack, you know, resonating with your customer and, and with your growth audience. And so it may be working, you know, phenomenal for your current audience. But are you attracting a customer base in store that's not shopping you, right? They're only shopping you online because maybe there's only certain payment types available online and it's not available in store. And so they're, mm-hmm. no wonder they're not kind of coming into your stores. Um, and so I think it's a little bit of a reframe. Like I always talk about payments as a relationship builder right. uh, you know, with your customer. And, and we see like from the studies that uh, you know, payment type is as important as price and brand and even product in, in some cases. And so if the consumer in their mindset is thinking about that, then being able to reflect that and then advertising and market it, you know, whether it's, you know, Sezzle or, you know, Apple Pay or another payment type, yeah. I, I think retailers are still a little bit behind on this journey. And and I, I would say we're seeing the adoption in e-commerce. And I think, you know, now's the time to really do that within, uh, you know, in-store. Yeah. yeah.
0: Especially when credit's involved in that right. transaction. Like how you think about it? I mean, I can take it back in. I mean, we should talk about this on the show three years ago, we used to talk about like you and I would make decisions on where to go based on who had Apple Pay. Yeah, exactly. And now it's prevalent because of the pandemic, but like that made a huge difference for For me prior.
2: For sure. And I think makes a bigger difference to this next generation of shopper too. Um, Yeah. Especially if you can do this. Right.
0: Like, you know, if this gets widespread, like you think about gas, groceries, everything like where you could eventually use it. Like it's, it's crazy.
2: Chris, do you think that the, like for the, the next generation of customer, do you think that the buy now pay later offering is enough of like an incentive to that generation that they can break it up into four payments that they, that buy now pay later providers in general will not need to go to any sort of loyalty programs. Like I'm thinking about the points that you get for a credit card. Like, do you see buy now pay later providers eventually evolving into like, Hey, you, you know, you get, cash back or you get longer payment terms or you get six weeks that you can pay this off instead of four, whatever it might be. Or do you think it's just like, this is just a better method of payment for that, especially for that next generation.
1: I think we're going to have to see there's certainly, um, you know, BNPLs that are offering rewards. Okay. Um, I, I look at it personally as it's already solving a problem that consumers have. And so, just BNPL as a product or as a, you know, option is really salt, right? Like that's why yeah. innovation comes from innovation comes from really solving a pain point. And I think it's doing that. And so we're still like very early days compared to some of the markets that are, you know, I'd say more saturated in terms of BNPL. So if sure. you look at Australia, if you look at, you know, Sweden, if you look at some, you know, even, um, you know, other countries, they're further along in their adoption curve in terms of BNPL, we're still pretty early, right? I right. think I think it's about two percent of payment volume is what we're seeing going through BNPL. Um, overall, in some of these more mature company countries, you get to about ten percent, and it. so it's still it's still a ways to go in terms of that you know mat- maturity of the market. I think as that kind of continues to evolve, you start talking about more of like where does loyalty fit in, um, you know, where do rewards programs fit in? I think right now it's just really solving a problem, and it's not necessarily you know a requirement. Um, because it's, it's kind of being looked at as an overall tender type. And is this tender type more valuable than other tender types?
0: Right. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. There's still more foundation to be built, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you could easily see that, you know, evolving in that direction too. All right. Well, that Chris, that was awesome. I love that. I love putting you on the spot too, to see how this thing worked in live time. That was a lot of fun. Um, if people are watching this and they're like, Hey, we want to learn how to do this, how to bring BNPL in store. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I, by, by the way, I was not nervous at all because it's all the product and engineering team that's crushing it in terms a of- boy, <laughs> a boy, Not a boy, awesome. So not me at all, just want to make sure credit, the credit's where it should be. Um, no, yes, please please reach out. This is always fun chatting with you too. Really, really appreciate you probably a little bit more in in-store and traffic. You know, thinking about this as an affiliate driver is kind of a, a probing, interesting way to think about it um, and bring in a new customer. So, yeah, always happy to talk anything, payments, retail, you know, Sezzle, et cetera. etc. Um, people can reach out to me on LinkedIn, pretty responsive and and and, you know, really, really good. Just please connect and send a message and happy to respond on LinkedIn. Awesome.
2: Thank you, Chris. That wraps us up. Thanks to Chris Bixby for sitting down with us today and to all of you for joining us live and posting your questions on LinkedIn. And as always, be careful out there.